Welcome back to the Adams Ward podcast, and today we get to sit down with Sister Terilyn Young, and we're really excited to hear her story, and um, she is currently serving as the primary president in our ward, and so if you don't see her often on Sunday, she's tucked away in that room with all the kids doing a wonderful job with them, so we appreciate her. So we're going to jump right in, and just Terilyn's going to start telling us about her childhood and where she grew up. All right. Um I grew up in Selah, Washington. It's just outside Yakima, where treetop apple juice comes from. And in fact, one of my first jobs was thinning apples in an apple orchard. So I think that's fitting. That's hard work. Yeah, it was fun. It, we had lots of kids doing it with us that were friends of ours. And yeah. yeah. So you see two apples on a tree on, on a, off of one stem and you pull the smallest one and let the bigger one have room to grow some more. Okay. So that's what I did. Um, I'm, I was raised the second of five siblings. I haven't, my oldest sister died as a baby. So, um, yeah, I'm not really a middle child, but we got along really well, my siblings and I. And, uh, it was almost like we had two different families though, because it was my older sister, me and my younger sister. And then my two little brothers were quite a bit, quite a bit younger than I was. And so I wasn't really involved a lot in their stuff. So that was kind of odd. Um, we also had cousins that we were close to, and we had cousins that matched us in age. So my older sister was friends with my oldest cousin, and then I had a cousin my age and my sister. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And they lived relatively close, about half an hour away. And so we liked to go down and visit at their house and hide our shoes. So it took longer for us to yeah. leave. <laughs> you ever do that? Yeah, we've got some cousins that live in Otis Orchard, so like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. We know all the tricks, yeah. <laughs> so we enjoyed that, and, and we sang a lot as kids going down to, to our cousins. Um, yeah, I read lots, lots, and lots. Went all through the Little House on the Prairie books, and then all the Nancy Drew books that I could find, and then I got into Jane Eyre, and yeah, I like to read. But don't do as much now as I used to. It's the internet's faster. Yeah. <laughs> or listen. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Tell us about um, your schooling and oh, okay. too. Um, I was a pretty average student when I was in school, in grade school, high school, except for the reading. I think I did really well there. And I joined band when I was in fifth grade and really liked it. I played the flute and played it up through high school. And yeah. Do you still play? On my own, yeah, for my own enjoyment. <laughs> I don't love to be in Zach. Yeah, it's, I tried that once. It didn't go well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I do enjoy it. I, I kind of feel like, well, okay, I'll put it this way. My mom had a family of cousins. When they would come to visit, it was, it was a musical fest. I mean, they had the guitars. They had the, the fiddles. I mean, it was fun. And so I always kind of dreamed of that. And, uh. I took piano lessons when I was little, and so I know a little bit of a pia- of piano, and of course with a flute. And then uh, my son started playing uh, violin, and then I got a violin. He doesn't play so much anymore. And then I had another son play the cello, but we had to give that one back. And I have an, a dulcimer that my great uncle made, and I have a piano, and I have my great grandpa's guitar that he got when he's on his way home from the world war one. Wow. And then I have my son's electric guitar just for storage. And then I have the flute that I grew up with 
that now my daughter plays and I have my own, another flute just cause she always had mine, <laughs> but I kind of feel like Bill and Ted, you know, it's like, I got all these musical instruments, but I don't play any of them well, <laughs> but I enjoy it. And that's what yes. I do it for anyway. So there's that. Um, let's see. I went to Rick's college for, well, I graduated from Rick's college, really enjoyed it. Best place on earth. And, um, Decided I wanted to be a drug and alcohol counselor. I had a friend in high school that I didn't realize all the stuff. I was really naive in high school. It's like everybody's all happy and everything's good. And then when once I left school and I heard what was going on afterwards, I'm like, oh, no, that can't happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a drug and alcohol counselor and save the world. And so that's what I studied and, and um, went to Weber State because I heard they had a really good program. And, and, and what's the major that? To become a just drug, social work, social work. Yeah. Okay. But see, that's the thing. I learned that too late <laughs> that to have my own little office and my cute little table and everything, my cute little desk and invite people in and save the world with them. Um, I would need to have a master's degree. And what, I was just about to get my bachelor's degree and had, did I have both had one and one on the way or, or, my second might have been born already, but I was talking with one of my counselors and she says, oh yeah, when I started in, into social work and I had to go do these home visits and I always made sure that my husband knew where I was, that my cell phone was charged up, that I had a full tank of gas. When I went in the house that I knew where all the exits were, and I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is this is a little too intense for me because you know, you go into families' houses that things are not ideal and tempers erupt and yeah so and I realized there was a ladder to get to my cute little office so um that got put on hold and I don't know that I'll pick it up again but it was it was lessons learned and I always tell my kids now if you find something that you want to do you talk to people that are doing it and find out the steps yes. so that was important so make sure it's what you want to do yeah awesome. yeah um, my dad was uh my dad was a convert to the church and when I was probably about nine. Um, he went off, he was doing a, an interview with Bishop and I was in the bath, taking in the bathroom, taking a bath at the time when he got home. And I heard him come down the, the hallway to talk to my mom. And he says, Hey mama, I got my mission call. And I just went to tears. And he, when he realized I was crying, he said, what's wrong? I, said, I don't want my daddy to go away. <laughs> Well, he'd got a call to be uh, either a ward missionary or ward mission leader. But anyway, from that calling, we always had missionaries at our house. It was it was fabulous. Yes. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. So I always wanted to go on a mission. And uh, in fact, it was one of the sister missionaries that was in our ward. She had gone to Rick's. And so she was really encouraged me. She was all excited about that. And uh, then I met a guy and got engaged but you went on your mission first. No, I did not. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I did not. No, okay. I'm like, Sorry well, okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Makes the story more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm like, well, I guess I'll do that then. And um, then things didn't work out. And I called it off. And I never came back to go on a mission thing. And uh, started dating again. And a friend of mine and I were at the temple. And he was sitting there contemplating, I don't know what. And I just had this thought come so strongly to my mind as it was as somebody had said it to me, you're going on a mission. And my, my response in my head was cool. <laughs> you know, I knew it wasn't me just sure. going, should I go on a mission? It was, you're going on a mission. 
Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So, so I got called to the New Mexico Albuquerque mission. I, I say it's really the Navajo Nation mission because I was only in Al- Albuquerque for a month and the rest of it was on the reservation. And it was fascinating. They didn't teach us Navajo in the MTC. I learned a few words, but um, yeah, it was great. I love. Okay. So here's, here's one good story from my mission. Yes. Um, we were, we were teaching some boys and their cousins came over. It happened to be the second, the second discussion. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we're interested. Come teach us. And so we went to their house later to t- start over and teach the first discussion. And the first discussion, back then, they were really, there was really an order to it and, and kind of almost a script, but not really. And uh, so we sat down, and their dad happened to be a medicine man, didn't speak English much, I don't know, didn't speak a lot. Um, but his his wife comes to sit down with us and and the first part of the discussion is talking about how God speaks to prophets. And and then they write it down, and that's how we got the Bible. And she says, literally, she says this, other people did that, but our people didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, just you wait. Just wait. You know? <laughs> and she was so excited. What, what? I'm like, just wait, just wait. I'm getting there. And anyway, so then at the end of it, we sang Book of Mormon stories and did all the little hand hand gestures with it. And I look over, and there's Brother Martin, the, the medicine man, sitting over on the couch. And he's doing the little wave thing. Long ag- <laughs> And we changed the words to it. We didn't say, long ago, their fathers came ac- far across mm-hmm. the sea. We said, long ago, our fathers our came. Because, you know, I love that's that. awesome. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So have you been back to your mission? I have not. Okay. Though I missed it so much, I almost could have walked back sometimes. <laughs> there was a... a a Navajo couple that came and were in our ward for about a year, I think. Okay. They, they'd come up here traveling because they cool. he, he works here, and he he ended up in our ward on accident. And like, oh, just stay here. Yes. And it was oh my goodness, I about boulder. Yeah, hey! <laughs> so excited. But um, yeah, one of the one of my mission experiences, I'll tell it now, um, was well. Um, we were at the MTC and we had to practice being missionaries. And one of the practices was to, um, help your, your investigator feel and recognize the spirit because like, you know, we just kind of swim in it sometimes. Oh yeah, it's good. Yeah. But to have the investigator realize that something's different and this is what that something is. And so that was, that was our exercise. And I was the investigator and, we started out, like I said, it was almost a script. And the missionary says to me, the elder says to me, um, most people believe in a supreme being, even though they may call him by different names. We know that God lives and that he loves us. And as he said that, I just had such this, this glowing, almost like I could float off the, off my chair feeling. But as I was the investigator and he was supposed to practice this part of it, I didn't say anything. And he just about went on, and I'm thinking, oh, Elder, you've got to say something. Just about went on, and then he stopped, and he said, do you feel that? And it was such a testimony to me because, I mean, this is primary stuff. God loves you. God lives. God loves you. And I've heard that all my life, of course. But to feel that in such a powerful way, it was it was awesome. So that's a big part of my testimony. That comes up later. But Yeah, no, that's fine. Anyway, so there's that. Um, the other part, you were asked about my professional path. Yes. Um, 
like I said, I had this friend that was having all troubles I didn't know about. And so every night, please bless him, keep him safe and help him, you know, whatever. And I laugh at it, about it because it's almost as if God says, all right, already. I heard this voice in my mind say, I know where he is and he's going to be okay. And uh, he was, I met up with him decades later, which was amazing in itself, but yeah. And he was okay. Things were good. So, and, but that's been my, my mantra, my testimony for a long time. God knows where you are and it's going to be okay. Okay. So here's that. Well, tell us, um, how you met your husband. Okay. I won't make it as long as it could be, but, um, a friend of mine, I went to her ward because our mutual friend had just returned from her mission and uh, was giving her report. And Kent had just joined that ward. And so Bobby Joe was, oh, let me introduce you to everybody. And we got introduced and had conversations. And then I went to her family home evening and he finagled it so that she would be in his group. So I would be in his group. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were, we ended up at the mall in the, in the, um, in the power tool section. He was saying, this is what you can get me for Christmas. And this was in October. I didn't tell you that. This was in October. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. You're getting a Christmas present for me. I barely know you. <laughs> and um, this was the next day after we'd met. Okay. Okay. So um, then he, how did it happen? Oh, he showed up at my house because my friend, he'd asked for my phone number, but she didn't have it but she knew where I lived. And so she showed him and I got home and he was standing at my door talking to my Japanese roommate, which was really nice because he speaks Japanese. Weber State right now? <laughs> at Weber State, okay, yeah. He speaks Japanese. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see what, and then the next day he calls up and he says, um, I'm, I'm going to get a haircut and go grocery shopping. You want to come with me? And that was our first date. <laughs> I mean, it was just, that, that's the way he does things. It's not something we got to go out of our way to get to know each other kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, just come along with me and we'll do stuff. And, and that's how life is. I yeah. Like yeah. So I spent a lot of time with each other, you know, doing homework and making dinner. And he made dinner one day and it was pancakes. And he brings out the peanut butter and puts it on the ca- on the table. I'm like, what? You put peanut butter on your pancakes too? Me too. Because <laughs> we'll just have to get married then. Yeah. So we did. Um. Yeah, 18 days later, he was he was telling me where he saw this and how, where he saw this relationship going. Okay, 18 days after you met? After we'd met, okay. yeah. Okay. And I'm and I've been praying, Heavenly Father, I don't want to mess up my dating life like, you know, before my mission. I want to just, you know, keep it straight and narrow and do do this right. So if anything's wrong with this guy, don't let me go any further with this guy because, you know. So uh and I never got any message anything was wrong. <laughs> And so as he's telling me how he, how he sees this relationship going in my head, and I swear he said this, but he swears he didn't was, I can see us being married. And so I explained that I'd been praying about it too. And I said, yes. And he tells me that later, he tells me that about three weeks later that he'd gone home saying, yes, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we got engaged. Okay. Um, yeah. And since then we've got six kids. Our oldest is married. Uh, the next one's at BYU Provo. Um, my third is on a mission in Germany. Um, Reagan's in high school. Elijah's in middle school, and Heather's in elementary. So yeah, I'm all mixed up. And uh, so one everywhere yeah. in every stage of life. <laughs> They're really smart kids. Um, Kent went to dental school for a couple of years, 
and then redid his second year. And we're just praying, praying, praying that he can, you know, do well in his tests and stuff. And he was going through some medical things that his his memory was going, his sleep was all disrupted. I mean, depression, it was it was bad, but I didn't understand what was going on. And I just thought it was, you know, things were hard. And uh, so Davis was in kindergarten and we, we went to vote one night and Kent hadn't voted yet. So he went on by himself and I sat out in the car with, with Davis. And just to pass the time, I would ask him questions like, okay, I've got, say, 39 cents in my pocket. In the fewest number of coins, what coins would I have to make up 39 cents? And he would tell me, he's in kindergarten. I'm like, heck, why yeah. am I sending him to kindergarten? <laughs> because, you know, we live on the third floor apartment in the back part of the apartment complex. And so I'm hauling all the kids down, you know, getting everybody bundled up, hauling down, yeah. putting them in the van, driving them through the, yeah, it was just... So I homeschooled them. Okay. After after Davis's kindergarten year, I homeschooled yeah. them until Davis was in seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was fun. And I was reading back in my journal yesterday and so many times like I'm so tired of my own voice. Oh. <laughs> Just do your homework. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So I homeschooled them and they're they were awesome. Um they didn't they didn't fight a whole lot. In fact, my oldest two never fought with each other, which was great. And they get along really well. Um, so I taught Gunnar how to read. Well, I taught all of them how to read. And Davis and Maggie, they're like, they would they would be upset if they didn't find the hymn page number fast enough because they wanted to read, you know, yeah. be able to sing yeah, with the words. With and uh, Gunnar, he had a hard time with it at first. And so I started um, asking the chorister, giving me a heads up on what the what the hymns we were going to sing. And so he learned how to read by using the hymns because everything's broken up in syllables. And yeah, and now he's a genius. And <laughs> he and Maggie, I was I was on a phone call with him and Maggie today, and they started talking. I don't know, quantum physics or something. It was something that was completely over my head. I was like listening to them and smiling because <laughs> yeah. they're just. I'm smart so proud. Kids. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you touched on uh, Kent going to dental school. How oh, did you end yeah. up back in Spokane here? Okay, so went to two years, had to redo the second year, and then just said, I, he said, I can't do this anymore. Came, um, and it was really weird because driving across the country thinking we don't really have any ties school-wise or work-wise. I mean, our families were, well, his family's kind of spread out. My family was in Washington. And so we were intending to go to Washington, but just that thought of, I could go anywhere. We could stop anywhere and just start here. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? But we came back. I was pregnant with Reagan at the time, which was, you know, kind of a, <laughs> a limiting factor there. And we stayed and lived with my parents until in the lower Yakima Valley that we were in Sunnyside at the time. And uh, after he was born, about two weeks after, Ken says, I'm out of here. I have got to get my family together, just my family. And, yeah. <laughs> and so he had, he'd actually come to Spokane for some scout trip that was really fascinating as a scout trip, but he remembered really liking it in Spokane. And so he said, I'm going to go to Spokane and see what I can find there. And so he, he came up here and lived in hotels for a while until he, and got a job. And then we moved up here. It was great. Yeah. We've been here. 16 years now. And your family's still in Sela? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, close yeah. enough for a quick visit. Yeah. Um, so we were here, and then 
he was was he doing some different jobs. And this is one of the miracles. He was he was doing some different jobs and and having some troubles mentally. And so they thought, we're, what was it? There was something. I was headaches or something. And say we're going to do an MRI. So they they do this MRI and bring back the results. And they say we're looking at this little thing that doesn't look right down here, but it looks like we only have the top part of it. So they did another another scan. And he's got about an almond-sized cyst in his spinal cord up on his neck. Like, oh. Plus, his thyroid was completely shot. That's what was causing all of the, okay. the messing up of his, of his sleep and his memory and his everything. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the miracles. But in the studying for dental school, he was really frustrated because there was a lot of the instruction in dental school that had nothing to do with the mouth. It's like, why am I learning this stuff? This is so stupid. Just, you know, but when he got up here and was getting things sorted out with his health, he thought I can take a lot of what I've learned here to nursing school. And so he went to nursing school and graduated in 2009 as an RN. Awesome. So yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, it was, there was, that was a lot. Homeschooling, third floor apartment. Yeah. Three, three bedroom, third floor apartment with five kids. And cause we eventually just groceries to, alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> groceries alone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's the picture I have, I think of him in, in nursing school, he's sitting at the computer with his high back office chair with a blanket or a sheet over the back of the chair, over his head and over the monitor <laughs> and these sound Canceling noise canceling headphones so he could focus and, and study. This. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he was determined and and he did it and he's awesome. I'm so glad he's a nurse because he's really good at it yeah. and he loves it and it just brings him joy. Perfect. And that's what you want out of a career. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, we touched on a couple of turning points, but do you want yeah. to? Um, oh. You talked my about my it. hobby now. <laughs> yes, we definitely can't skip over that. Yeah. Okay, so. I, I mentioned that I had an older sister that, that died as a baby and my mother's father had died when she was 16. So there was always this connection to heaven, I guess you could say. It wasn't just our little family that lived in our house. There were other extensions beyond who we knew when we were kids. Yeah. And you were taught probably from a young yeah. age, you realized, okay, yeah, what, what yeah. happened to her? Yeah. yeah. And so then, in fact, every time we had kneel down to have prayer, my dad would say, who's missing? We'd all be there. It was almost every time. Who's missing? But um, anyway, so there was that connection. Plus, my my dad being a convert, um, when he was a kid and, and in high school, people would just give him the memorabilia, you know, the the wedding announcements. And I don't know if he collected it, but wedding announcements, obituaries and stuff. And so after he joined the church and we got settled and he decided he wanted to do some genealogy, he hands it over to our friend Nella Ray Holt and said, what do I do with this? <laughs> so she, she got him started doing genealogy. And so we were always in there, you know, doing the, the microfilm readers and getting a headache. She just spin it too fast. And, um, and then later after we went to Maryland, my dad said, okay, you're taking the u branch. That's my dad's maternal grandmother's line. You're taking the u branch and you study that. Well, the end of the u branch is Jacob u and Mrs. Jacob u in Switzerland. And 
there's been people that have been over to Switzerland and studied it all and they can't get past Jacob Umiker and Mrs. Jacob Umiker. And I'm thinking, I'm just sitting here at my little computer and I don't even know what yeah, I'm doing. Where do I start? Um, but I figured it out. We still haven't got past him, but there's just so much and it's been a blast. And that's, Kent calls it the Mormon diet because <laughs> I would, I would be on there like till two in the morning if I could. And my kids would come to me. What was for, I'd say it's time for bed. Don't go to bed. What's for dinner, Mom? <laughs> What's for dinner? It's like 10 o'clock. Go to bed. If you were hungry, you should have said something you earlier. Said hours ago. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the Mormon diet. But okay. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And so And you spend Wednesdays at the Family History yes, Center? Yes, Wednesdays from 10 to 2. And she's or 10 off. to 2.30. She's happy to help. Yes. Anybody. Please come. Um, any or specific, call me and ask me questions. Any spe- <laughs> specific um, like faith building experience that you've had that you want to share from doing your genealogy? Or, mm. I don't know. Put you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I just really, I really enjoyed doing it. I don't know. Maybe it's. I, I think of it as kind of like algebra. <laughs> you know what? What do I know and what can I find out because of what I know and, and that kind of thing. So it's, or I call it Pokemon for grownups. Spiritual wise, it just, I just makes me feel close to my family. They're, they're my family. And my mom had a, a well, my parents had a wall in, in the house, the dining room wall. And it just had pictures of, of ancestors on it. And it just, it just feels like my family isn't just what's in my house. My family is much extended. And since then, I had a cousin that was going through some really difficult times. And I didn't know her very well, hardly at all. Um, But she reached out to me and was telling me some stuff. And I said, oh, I just, I want her to realize that she's got an army behind her. A huge army of, you know, on the other side in here cheering for her. And in the meantime, I also had a ton of pictures that were, of ancestors and cousins and whatnot that weren't identified. And I need to figure out how to do this. And so I started a Facebook page and started gathering all the cousins and putting all the pictures on this Facebook page saying, help me identify just to help her realize this is your family. These are people that love you, even if they're not here. So that's been a big deal. I like that. Definitely think they're closer than we realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Helping us through life. Well, perfect. Before, uh, I guess, um, yeah, tell us how you gained your testimony of the gospel and how mm. you've nurtured it over the years. Well, there was a time when when Kent had lost his job, and I was expecting Elijah at the time, so he was my fifth child. And I remember seeing a billboard that says, Jesus loves you. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and And it's sad because... Like I said, we're just kind of swimming in it all the time. This is this is what the gospel is, and and I grew up feeling this, you know. And uh, but I held on to that. I know where you are, and you're gonna be okay. And and that feeling at the MTC of God's there and He loves you, and just kind of waiting for things to work out. It's gonna work out. And I tell my kids now, as you're reading, especially through the Book of Mormon, but but even now in the Old Testament, I said, do you realize how many the, how many times the prophets hearken back to look at this miracle and look at this miracle and look at this miracle? Do you see all these miracles? You've got to, how can you doubt? <laughs> You've got all these miracles. And so I think it, it's it's helped me to, to look back and see, we've been through a lot. 
And, you know, going back to my journalist last week, because Kent was looking for some dates of stuff that happened and going, oh, my goodness, we went through so, so much, not compared to some, but, you know, as compared to others. And there's just been miracles and it's and it's worked out. God knows where we are and it's going to be okay. <laughs> and I love that as, as the world right now is getting crazy and, and scary. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like that mantra that we yeah. can just keep, you know, he knows us and we're going to be okay. Just keep putting our trust in him. Yeah. Perfect. So anything else that you wanted to share before we finish up that you thought? Mm. No, I think, I think that's it. Okay. So what does being a follower of Christ mean to you, Terrilyn? Um, it means being kind and helping others to have faith in Christ, to, to have trust. Because like you said, the world's crazy. And to, to make them realize God always keeps his promises. I mean, Adam and Eve lived their life on the promise, on the promise that Christ would be born, that he would live a sinless life, that he would be sacrificed and that he would rise again. They lived their life on that and they taught their children and their children lived their life on that. And then 2000, and that happened. He kept his promise. And since then, we still live our lives on that promise of what he provided. So helping people to recognize that God keeps his promises for good or bad, you know, so you you want the good promises, right? But um, yeah, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Thank you. Thanks for sitting down with us today, Tara. Thank you.